am a firm believer that you can have it all. You can. Now, everything's not going to be killing it all the time, right? You're not going to be 100% in every area of your life. You've, we've all got balls we've got to juggle. Some of them you have to let them drop and they just bounce and roll off. But there are certain things that, like, you can have it. You can have a successful career. You can be a businesswoman. You can be a mother. You can still go to your kids' soccer games. You can have a good marriage. You can have good friends. You can. Welcome to another episode of the Profitable Property Management Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Moyla. Today, I'm talking to Miranda Honeycutt from Foothills Property Management. Miranda, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. So you and I were on a panel earlier. I was hosting, got to have some good back and forth, got to hear a little bit about your career and background, but boy, there sure is a whole lot that I don't know. But let's talk about where you're at today. Can you just give us a brief take on where the business sits currently? Yeah. So we are in Anderson, South Carolina, which is a not super small town, but definitely not a metropolis. And um, we've got just over 700 doors, and there's a team of 12. And these doors are primarily single family? 70, 80% single family. And then we have some smaller multifamily that we do as well. Where did those doors come from over the years? Overall, you know, where did you get the business? Just hustling, just yeah. chasing it. One at a time. Yeah, one at a time. Okay. So. So chasing the business, what does that look like for you? Relationships and connections, meeting people, networking, making sure my clients are happy enough to refer their friends, um, making sure I'm in the right places at the right times is important. How do you get taken seriously in your community when you're new? That is so funny. So I think it's okay to not be. Hmm. Like I started, I was 27. Um, and I, I really think like my first couple of clients were like, well, let's just try her. She's sweet. She's sweet, you know, and they didn't have a high expectation. So when I did a good job, because away. the bar was so low, they were like, oh my gosh, she's sweet and she can do this. Mm. How wonderful. Mm. And then, you know, they start telling the friends and conversations happen and more people come and once you get rolling it's a lot easier. But the first three years, I didn't, I did not make any money. I sold my house. I moved in my mother's basement, but this was a decision and I was committed. And then now I'm so glad that I was like, I'm seeing this through. What was that? Where did that commitment come from for you? I feel like, I feel like this, this was my plan A. And if you have a plan B, you've already given up. So if you have a plan B, go chase your plan B because you don't love plan A enough. So. So you were clear. This is like, this was the thing you wanted to do. What what was a proxy for? Like if it wasn't just about property management, what was like the broader meaning? It was, was it the fact that it was um, your own business, that it was something tied in that community? It was really, it was a multitude of things. So it was having my own business. I was a single mom at the time. I needed flexibility and I couldn't I had started in real estate 
And so, you know, people want to look at houses in the evenings and the weekends. Well, that's prime babysitting time. So that was kind of difficult to do. I had already purchased uh, on some properties myself. And that's how I kind of started with about 30 houses from myself and my clients um, that I sold the properties to. And I just really wanted something that would allow me to have a normal schedule so that I didn't have to miss dance class and I didn't have to work all weekend and we didn't have to not go to birthday parties and or someone else had to take her. You know, I didn't want to do that. I wanted mm. to be mm. present mm. for her. So I could, I, I created myself a job and it turned into a career, like more of a business. I still sold real estate because I had to supplement the income because mm -hmm. um, it's so hard. So I did both for a long time because you got to pay the bills. And then um, when it started becoming like a full, this takes my full, what I'm allowed to work week. Um, and that's when I was like, okay, now I need to start working on myself and and really developing now that I can pay my bills. Mm -hmm. let's, let's build. You've met the survival bar. Right. Mm. So you've been building for a number of years now, and undoubtedly there's going to be some ups and downs along the way. What are some specific and distinct highs and lows for you? Highs are when people refer like their family and friends, when my clients do like this, they'll do like the sweetest stuff. We all have clients that we're just close to. And I remember um, after I had my son, I came back to work and one of my clients had sent me a beautiful flower bouquet. Mm. And it was just like, this is why I love this. You know, because they care about me. Mm -hmm. So that's definite high. And the lows, you know, they just come. But I feel like you have to take that as like, like you take your punch, you know, and you learn and you grow and you rock on. And you have to be able, that is essential, mm -hmm. that you can recognize where you messed up, fix it or work on fixing it or getting where you need to be to fix it. And then just move forward. Because we're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes every day. I make mistakes every day. Mm. So you got to roll with it. The reviews hurt. Oh, undoubtedly. Um, I had a client. I had a, I had a employee that we had a separation with mm. and got a phone call. And my client, who's been with me for over 10 years, was ready to walk out the door. And this was someone that like... I have a friendship with, mm. you know, and I'm thinking, why haven't you called me? Why'd we get here? Mm -hmm. You know, um, able to salvage that. But anytime I feel like we're not delivering on my vision of what, of the level of service that we should have, mm -hmm. it's always a gut punch. And I've, I've, the last six months after this employee has left, has been a constant every single day punch in the gut. It really has. Really? It has. It has been, it's been a little rough spell. But I'm seeing, you know, the tides are turning and we're, we're getting, we're getting back where we need to be. And the, the um, rough spell related to them leaving, has that had to do with things that just coincidentally happened in the same time frame or like the shock waves as a result of the, that person leaving? Um, I was unaware of a lot of things that weren't happening. Mm -hmm. 
and it's like no one tells you and then you do some you figure it out you finally figure it out and you do something about it and then they're like oh thank god mm. you did something so then about you get this. more of it so it's like when is this going to stop mm. so yeah that was rough go mhm yeah that happens this is a business of people mhm for good for bad it's all about the people what do you do to develop and invest in your team that's my favorite thing. That's my high, actually, is working with people that I want to work with in a culture that I want to work in. And so I, I get to, I, I know them all because we work so closely together. And a lot of them have been with me for one over a decade, and the other one's coming up on it. And um, just knowing what makes them tick, like what's what makes them happy. And then pouring into them and trusting them to do stuff and saying, hey, let's go to this, come to this conference with me. Like invest in their development regardless of, you know, so I feel like some people don't do that because they're scared that they're going to leave them and whatever. But you can't, you can't keep somebody down because you're, you're scared of what may happen. Mm -hmm. So investing in them, developing them. And then surprising them, delighting them by knowing st by knowing what matters to them. Because it's different for every person. And it's different for every person during every stage of life. Mm -hmm. So my right hand right now has two small children. Well, I know that. I'm, I have been there, done that. So, you know, to her, me sending someone over to clean her house before her family's coming in from out of town means more than... A bon you know, a bonus would, because it's like I didn't even have time to schedule that. Mm-hmm. 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 So. Beautiful. Love that. Just little stuff like that, that, you know. What about the flip side? What about holding people accountable? What about defining what you will and will not tolerate within the business? That's, that's difficult to do, mm -hmm. because you want to support and encourage. You want to love somebody through it. You know, you want everyone to be trainable. And I have not mastered hire slow, fire fast. I got a lot of work to do on me with that. But what we've, what I've been doing, what we've been doing is putting more, um, more accountability procedures in place, more, more meetings. We weren't doing quarterly meetings. We were only doing annual meetings and that was not great. Um, and trying to trying to find the patterns faster so that you can draw attention to it and and handle it in the moment and then if we're having the same conversations three three times right because you gotta you have to be told initially and then you need to you may need some corrections or whatever but if this is your job and you know it's your job and you're not doing it one time's and mess up everybody messes up the second time's okay do we need training do we need you know, a plan of correction. Um, and then the third time's like, you're just sorry. This isn't working out. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't know. I need to do some research on that because I don't know the best way to handle it. I really, if somebody knows, call me and let me know because I need to know. Me too. Yeah, as leadership, it's, it's definitely the least obvious part of business that has the greatest amount of impact. It's the hardest part. How to handle those conversations. I think it starts with getting clear on what you will and will not tolerate mm 
Mm-hmm. That's step one. And beyond that, I think the bleeding edge is really around how do you care for and about people while still having a very clear objective conversation about performance. That's the fine art. It's easy to want to remove the humanity from it when you have to do something bad or negative, but I believe you can do both. There's a lot of, a lot of effort and work there, but I'm, I'm personally stimulated by that challenge of meaning both. I appreciate you sharing that like you don't have the answers there. That's that's the truth for us for in all, all areas of business. That's, that's the managing people, holding them accountable while supporting them is seriously my biggest struggle mm. right now. It is, and I've always struggled with it. So just trying to figure that out, <laughs> trying yeah. to learn and grow and be a better leader so that I can do that and they do feel supported and I don't lose a good one mm-hmm. because I handled it wrong because mm-hmm. that's the flip side of it too like it's fine when it's somebody that's messing up and they need to go and they're out the door that's one issue but how do you have someone who really wants to do the, a great job mm-hmm. and they keep messing up because mm-hmm. once you start kicking someone when they're down yeah you're done like they're never going to get up they're going to quit the, nice but incompetent that's what you're describing Right. Yes. Nice but incompetent, as well as the brilliant jerk. Those are two dangerous species in the kingdom, and the handling looks different. But in both cases, you got to be clear on what you're going to tolerate. Once you start tolerating things, you start resenting things, including people. And that's the thing that's the least fair, is to keep somebody around bitching, complaining about them, resenting them, that's the least fair mm-hmm. thing of anything that could happen. I think the worst thing for me, because we are such a close team, a, one bad apple will ruin the bunch. It will. And so your your best people will see you tolerating and not handling. And then they're like, well, why am I busting my butt when they're just like it's skating? It's Yeah. It's demoralizing. So... That's a big issue. That's the fire quick that I need to work on. That was my fire. Yeah, fire quick. Um, see if we can be playful with that. Fire quick. I think what people are trying to say there is get clear on what you will not tolerate it, and don't tolerate things for a long period of time. That's what people are trying to say is don't tolerate things. I think in the midst of the the non toleration, there's a whole host of other steps. The stuff that you absolutely about. yeah multiple trainings, what could we do, acknowledging we have exerted a ton of effort and resources to select and bring somebody on the team. We're really invested here. The best possible outcome is that somebody trips, falls, stumbles, help get them back up and and get back on track. You know, that's really the optimal. The least, the worst case scenario, what is excruciating to me, the rare times where I have somebody in the organization for just like six months, Boy, that is worth multiple, multiple annual salaries. I'd say a three X of an annual salary. That's kind of what I mentally calibrate to for that kind of a situation. But it happens. That's that's part of the journey of business, figuring out how to manage and prevent those things. I want to hear more about the specific type of client that you serve and how you position your business in the market with a lot of people there. A lot of I assume plenty of other operators 
how do you differentiate and position what you do? Our our pitch is that we we protect your house. You know, we we protect your asset. So it's not just about it's looking at the big picture, looking at the entire picture. So yes, you want a great tenant. Yes, you want high rents, but let me show you what vacancy cost in looks like. Let me show you what a turnover cost in looks like. And if you max them out every single time they're up for a renewal, they're going to move. And let me tell you how much that's going to cost you. So really looking at it as like the big picture as a as an investment, not as a short term I'm going to rent my house for one year and whatever. Like the people that I work with are in it for the long haul. They've purchased these properties for retirement. They've purchased these properties to fund their kids' college funds. They've, you know, they have, they have a reason why they're doing this and they have an outcome that they want. And for me, I've got to figure out what that is. And then what's the best strategy to, uh, for us to achieve that? You know, if you're going through something short term, yeah, maybe you do want to max your rents for a little bit and then, you know, be a little less aggressive and have someone stable as you near retirement or whatever. So I think it's it's looking at what works for them um, and then making sure that we meet we meet that and that we can deliver on that. I personally, on my properties, I'm like slow and steady wins the race, man. I want to be... cheaper than the house next door because I never want my tenant to move. I want to maintain it. I want to look at it every year. I want to do walkthroughs. I want to have a home inspector come in and tell me what's wrong um, and keep keep the asset up. But I do not want to deal with turnovers if I don't have to because you will naturally anyway. But to me, I, I find it, I don't like when, when we have a property and the it's an annual every year. The tenant moves every year. You have some properties like that? Yes. Yeah. And the owners are just constantly pushing. I'm like, we we had a tenant that wanted to stay that was paying. Great, great tenant took care of the property. And you, you know. Priced them out. Priced them out. And now you have someone that isn't as good of a housekeeper that doesn't do their, you know, yard maintenance as they should. And they're only going to be there because we're not going to renew them because they're not keeping up. Mm-hmm. And you spent X amount on paint. You spent X amount on it sitting because you were priced high. Mm-hmm. And like, can you please see this? Mm-hmm. And if they can, great. They can see it and we can get on the same page. And if they can't, then we just got to, we're not the right fit. Our ways. Because you're never going to, you're not going to be successful with that because you're not aligned. Mm-hmm. So I think alignment is key. People coming to you as the trusted advisor, looking for your counsel, for your taste. That's how I think about it in business in general. I want to be hired for my taste, not just for the functional mechanics, but people are just saying, you have good taste. I don't. You're the expert. I'm not. What do you think? Right. You absolutely want clients who value your opinion. Like if you you think that you know how to manage the properties, the one property that that you've just bought. As well as the management. As well as someone who's managed 
thousands right, of homes right, over, right, right, you know, right. 12, then we're not on the same, like. Um, if I think we're peers, the only difference is you're going to admin the property. But, you know, we're peers on knowledge base. Right. And that's not a good. It's just not a good fit. Right. And when you start out, you you take anything. I mean, I did. And then you have to go through and, like, call the herd. Mm -hmm. And every year we do. Every year we review our owners. We review, are they still a good fit for us? Because the business changes and evolves just like people do. And so maybe they were a great fit for, for the company seven years ago, but now they're not. And that's okay. It's okay to outgrow your, you know, your client sure. or whatever. Sure. That's so okay to outgrow relationships in general. You're going to shed absolutely. relationships over time. That's a, that's a healthy thing as you're clear, mm -hmm. more clear on who you are and who you want to be around, who you want to interact with. And what's valuable. And if you don't, if you have people that, if you have clients or employees or really anyone in your life that does not like have the same base value mm -hmm. that you do, even though you can be completely opposite personality wise, mm -hmm. um, it's just not gonna, no one's ever gonna be happy. Mm-hmm. Because you don't care about the same things. Yeah, getting on this, on getting around people that have common priorities and objectives is a huge accelerator towards whatever those objectives are. It really doesn't matter what they are, you know. Mm -hmm. Whether it's uh, golfing or business or reading, I want to hear a little bit about um, what the guts of the business look like, day to day operations. How are you structured, for example? So we are like a hybrid. So we have two pods with a PM. Um, they each have a maintenance coordinator and a resident service coordinator. We have a leasing coordinator. We have someone that does billing, accounting, that kind of function. And we have an office manager that just kind of, she, oh man, she's awesome. She just like knows everything that's going on. And we have a receptionist because we were having... One of the issues that, that we've been having was I can't get anyone on the phone. I can't get anyone on the phone. So we were using a call center, mm. and it wasn't, it did not go how I had planned. Sure, I'm, I'm sure when you hired the call center, you assumed that you would be more available on the phone. That was the goal. All right. <laughs> and it didn't go that way, and that's okay. That kind of stuff I can pull out of real quick. Mm -hmm. I was like, hey, no, this is not working. Um, and so we hired someone direct and she is, she's awesome too. Everybody is really, but she's, she's got a fun personality. She's great for it. And is she local? Uh, no, she's in the Philippines. Okay, great. Yeah. Great. And that works well, but, um, but she answers the phones and then I have a VP that like does our operations stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, because I'm not a really, I'm not a good communicator. I talk a lot, but I don't communicate well. Mm. Um, and she's she feels we're complete opposite personalities, and I think that's super important to have someone who is very different than you because they see things differently. Um, I, you know, I'm the one. I'm like, let's go. We're gonna go climb the mountain, and she's like, well, wait a second, before you go, you need a tent. Do we have, you know, are we going to have, do we have food? Has anybody gotten water? Are you in your heels? Can you change? Mm -hmm. You know, I think maybe that would be a good idea. 
So I think having having that, and then I try to make the counterparts because everybody has a counterpart, um, and I try to make them have opposite personalities. That's important to me to be strategic in that. Mm. So if I have a very outgoing PM, the RSC is a little more introverted. And that way they can balance each other. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's that's a building block of a good team. Interesting. Temperamental pairing. Yeah, that makes sense. So the back to the theme of getting into some of the other guts of the business, talk to me about some of the tech stack that you use to manage the business. So we use Atfolio. We use Lead Simple. We use Tenant Turner. Does that stack feel stable to you right now? It does. The integrations have been game changer. Yeah? That was that was a game changer. Mm. Um, and of course, everything can improve and get better and there's issues and whatever. But to be able to um, to grow because you don't have to spend. I used to always tell everyone that came on board, it's going to take you a year for you to feel like you have any idea what's going on around here. Wow. Because there's every a year every property you need to know the property right where's where's the breaker box at because somebody's going to call you and they're not going to have power do you know where it is you know is it in the notes have you read it have you been to the property um you you need to know the owner you need to know the tenants you need to know all the vendors that we use all the contractors that we use um and get familiar with all the software where you feel confident because there's a lot on that that's something that's hard to you can watch all the videos you want to, but until you get in there and try to run something, it, it, it doesn't have any context. So you don't you don't know. So using the tech now that has shortened the year. I would say maybe we're down to like six months. You should feel like okay. I don't think I have to ask. 50,000 questions a day, which is totally fine. Mm -hmm. But I feel like I, I know how to do this now. So it's, I'm seeing major improvements there, which is great. Love that. That's obviously going to be a part of the employee experience, the tech stack that you're using. It's like probably something that doesn't get verbalized very often, but like it's quality of life, right? Absolutely. And that's one of the reasons when we were talking about um, figuring out if an employee is a good fit or like knowing, holding them accountable and things like that. Mm -hmm. First question, do you have the tools that you need? What do you need? Mm -hmm. How are we doing this? Mm -hmm. And because if they don't have the tools they need, it's not their fault they're doing a bad job. It's your fault because mm -hmm. you didn't give them what they needed. So having tools there for them to use, them knowing how to use the tools, it being easy and seamless and all of that, that's our, you know, that's your job as a leader to make sure that they have everything that they need. That's your job. What pieces of the work stream of your business are flowing through Lead Simple, and what pieces of the work stream are flowing through Appfolio? So we do the the process is in Lead Simple, obviously, like the task and whatever, and then Appfolio is used like a database. But I send like the leases are sent out of Appfolio. Um, rule offers, lease violations, things like that. Any, basically anything that I may need to take to court mm -hmm. <laughs> is in up fully because it's easy to find. Um, 
in the way that it's this structured is very nice. And then the employee side of the at work that gets done, the volume, there's so much volume of tasks that are done that lives inside of Fleet Simple. So I'm trying not to have too many softwares mm-hmm. because that's just, you know, shiny new object, lots of stuff. We yeah, tried I lots of it. stuff. Yeah. It's so tempting. Everything's going to solve all my problems, but it's not because I'm the problem. So, you know, like we got to work on that first, which which I've been doing. Right. So um, trying to just, let's dial down. Let's use what we have. Are we, are we paying for something that's available to us inside of that folio? Because we were and we don't need to. Because mm. then we have a third platform to go on. Mm-hmm. I hear you want to have focus on doing more stuff with fewer tools. That absolutely makes a ton of sense to me. What makes it worth investing in all that tech to get the process stuff set up in the first place? Obviously, not everybody does that. You do. How, how new is that or old is that? So we've been on Lead Simple this summer be a year. Got it. So we had two processes that were we worked with someone to build out, and we were running those. And that was it. That was it. <laughs> and then um, when the stack with that folio came, that really opened. That's, I mean, that was just like, thank you. Or prayers answered. On well, what were the two? What were the two processes that you started with that you're doing first? We were doing um, lease renewals and move-ins. Okay, you got those dialed first because they were easiest. Yeah. They were the ones that we internally had the best processes mm-hmm. for, mm-hmm. and that's why we chose that. Sure. Um, and then we stalled. We stalled, and then the stack was released, and I was like, "This is gonna." And I tell, when we talk about it as a team, and I'm like, I don't, I, I really need y'all to understand what I'm trying to do here. Like, we're shaving seconds to make minutes to make hours. That's what we're, like, that's what we're doing. You're still going to have to call people and talk to them and all that. But now you're going to have time to. That's the goal here. Mm-hmm. So, and then it just kind of stalled. And then I realized, you know, you just... You gotta get it done, man. So I started um, going into the office every Saturday morning from eight to twelve by myself because I can't get anything done during the week. It's very difficult, and there's a lot of distractions and you know all this stuff. So started going in eight to twelve. We started. I started building out processes. Did the delinquency process. Finished that up um, right when autopilot was released. Mm-hmm. So this was like last month. Mm-hmm. And um, put that on, set it up, turned it on, and I called the team and I was like, hey, we had a meeting. I'm like, I turned this on. This is what's supposed to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. We're all going to be surprised. It's going to be great. (laughs) But this is what's supposed to happen. And let me know if it doesn't. And let's figure it out. So, of course, there were things that didn't go there's always like stuff you can't plan for oh i put too many conditions in the conditional logic and it got something a little screwy um but i think knowing that like hey this is this is a work in progress Mm -hmm. you know is helpful for everyone and i think it's really helpful that i built it 
I like this was Miranda's coming in on Saturdays and building this process. And then like it just everybody has 5,000 tasks. What's going on? You know, I messed this up. And it's like, it's totally okay. This is part of the learning curve and the process. So yeah, I'm going to mess it up. So since then, they're more willing to go in and build and change and, and all of that because it's like, mm. it's okay mm -hmm. if it's going to mess up. Just don't send anything to clients going out automatic when you're first doing it because yes. you don't you right. don't want right. that. Right, right. But um, yeah, so that's been fun. That was fun. I like that. So you're the sort of person that's going to get 10 reps in trying something while somebody else is perfecting and practicing and getting ready for that one rep. That's what I'm hearing here is like you cho you chose to learn in motion. I have to because that's the only failing is failing in quotes. That's the only way you learn. That's the only way you learn is to do it and try and you fall down and it and it stings a little or it hurts, but you can't be scared to bleed, right? Like you've got to do it. Mm -hmm. So you learn a little bit, you get back up, you try again. This time maybe don't hurt everywhere. Maybe it's just like a little scratch, mm -hmm. you know, get a Band-Aid, rock on, let's go again. And you, you got to get back up. You're going to get, you are going to get punched as a business owner. And you, you've got to take your licks, put your big girl on wear on and let's go. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. And then eventually you'll get it right. <laughs> Hopefully. I don't know. That's the goal. That's what I'm going for. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting game, isn't it, though? Getting knocked down, getting back up. When I mean, you're talking about grit is what you're talking about, tenacity. Where does that come from for you? I, have, I, don't, I don't know. My mom is, is like that. And we just have, like, love of learning new things, love of trying new things, love of adventure. It's just like our family culture is like that so it's we were always it's okay if you you can fail that's fine but you can't not try mm. you have to try fail that's fine I don't care I played softball my mother told me I sucked so bad this is an actual true story right field I'm like doing cartwheels picking clovers you know living my best life could not get on base all season this was like in like the early 90s. She said, I'll give you $50 if you make it to first base. And I was like, oh, I'm doing this. You know, I got walked. <laughs> I got walked and it was so awesome. And I was like, deal's a deal. Deal's a deal. And then everybody else was good. I was the worst one on the team. Yeah. Everybody else was great. So they got me home. I'm like, what do I get for, for like, I scored a run. Yeah. Only Not time I got on base entire season. And my mom was like, I don't think softball's for you, honey. I'm like, I don't think it is. It was enough, though. It was enough to, to motivate the It was like, keep, keep trying. Like, yeah. keep going. You're yeah. going up there, and you're like, I'm going to strike out. Right, right. So motivate yourself. Yeah. What's it going to take to yeah. get you to want it? Yes, yes. And I got lucky, which is great, mm -hmm. with that walk. Because mm -hmm. sometimes you get lucky, and that's awesome. Sure. But it's a blessing or a lesson. That's my grandmother always said that. Whatever happens in life, it's a blessing or a lesson. Mm. So, and sometimes it's both. Winner, yeah, win or learn. That's another way to put it. Yeah. I either win or I learn. Mm -hmm. And you win either way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to have that outlook. I think people are really just, I think there's such a negative thing around failure. And it's like, why? 
that's you're not failing, you're learning, man. Certainly your outlook is determinative. Whatever you make up, you get to be right about. You know, mm-hmm. if you make up the story that you're talking about, you get to be right about that. You make up a story that life is just happening to you and what can you do? This is just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Why try harder? Nothing's gonna change. You get to be right about that too. You know? I have I have zero zero patience i can tell it's coming through you're lacking patience for it like that's i don't want anyone around me like that i don't like i don't want anybody on my team like that yeah like if you're not living you're just dying slow so what are we doing here like if it's that bad change just change just do something pick something change something because i'll i will change something in a heartbeat everything in my life i'm either creating or tolerating I can bring that kind of ownership to the situation, then yeah, it's like, yeah, well, if I don't like it, I could just, I could stop doing it, you know? Okay. If, if it ain't working, I can go elsewhere. I'm gonna steal that. Please do, please, yeah. Put that somewhere good out in the universe. I do wanna hear more about the vibe on your team. You mentioned that that spirit that you have is something you're looking to push into the team. Um, in terms of like, the the day-to-day culture how many people are are in person seven including myself and that's in office or just in office in office day-to-day and on in an average given week are the majority of those people are are working in the office during the week oh yeah yeah so what's the vibe like day-to-day in the office we are we're so close we're just we're so supportive of each other all we have some some male employees, but everyone in the office is female, mm-hmm. and we we know how to support each other because we have the same we've we've gone through these experiences. So, like earlier when I was talking about my VP and her two small kids, I know how to support her because I've been there, right? And so, I think it's very important to also have a different age range. I got to a point where I had a I was the oldest person in the office. And I was like, you know, I think I need someone that has like a different perspective. I don't want to hire anyone that's younger than me. We need someone that's, this is their requirement. Um, And looking for finding the right person. And that actually worked out. It doesn't always, you know, sometimes you, the best candidate's not what you were thinking you needed. But um, the office is like, it's where you can go and be you. Right. So I wear a lot of hats, but at work, I'm Miranda. Mm. I'm not mommy. I'm not a wife. I'm not a daughter. I'm, I'm Miranda and I can live in that and Mm. I can still have that identity, you know, and so can everybody else in the office. And that's something that we discuss, um, because a lot of people, most everyone, except for two people, we all have kids, you know, we're all whatever. So it's like, I come, I come to work because it's my happy place. Like that is said a lot. And it's not that we don't have tenants calling and screaming at us. Of course we do. Um, or we don't have owners that are like, this costs too much money. Of course we do. Of course there are negative things that happen. But the beauty is that we are each other's tribe. Like we're there, you know, we're ride or die. We will, we will go together and we got your back, and you're having a bad day, that's fine, I got you. Or, you know, you're having a win, let's celebrate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that. That's what I, that's the kind of environment I want to live in, and I. that's what I want them to have as well. And it's funny, because if you don't fit in that, 
you kind of show yourself out. You know, it kind of flushes out mm -hmm. the not being a team player mm -hmm. because we're a team and no one's more important. That's the other thing. I said, we're not a hierarchy. We're a wheel, right? And everybody is like a piece of their pie in this wheel. And if one piece isn't there, it, the wheel stops. It doesn't matter how beautifully round the rest of the pieces are. You get a flat tire, you're done. So what you do affects me. What I do affects you. And you're, I'm no more important than you are. And you're not more important than me. And we're just all, we're just all here trying to win together, man. We're same team, same team. Mm. So that's, that's the vibe in the office. And I, that means so much to me mm. personally. I can tell. Yeah. And I think that's really all that matters is that it's really meaningful to you. Mm -hmm. Everything you just said could be written down and as a sterile proposition, it may have some value, but it, the meaning for you, the importance, like the emotive thing that I can feel, I mean, that's what, that's what turns it into a bumper sticker or, an, or a truism versus something that can be really transformative. I love that you have that and that you've given yourself permission to make work that. Mm -hmm. Some people don't give themselves permission to believe that that's okay. I am a firm believer that you can have it all. You can. Now, everything's not going to be killing it all the time, right? You're not going to be 100% in every area of your life. We've all got balls we've got to juggle. Some of them you have to let them drop and they just bounce and roll off. But there are certain things that, like, you can have it. You can have a successful career, you can be a businesswoman. You can be a mother. You can still go to your kids' soccer games. You can have a good marriage. You can have good friends. You can. You can. Um, they all have to wax and wane and give. You know, sometimes you got to throw one of them up in the air. Like, obviously, I'm traveling this week. I'm not home, so am I killing it in motherhood this week? No, I'm not. I'm working on my business. It's okay. And then I'll go back. And I'll spend more time with them and kind of not work. So I probably won't work Saturday when I get home this week because I'm going to spend time with them. So you just have to, that flow. And I think, I think that's very difficult for women. And it's something that's very important to me to, like, I want to be moderately successful in all areas of life and have a very well-rounded mm. life. Mm. Instead of being like bent in one direction, killing right. it in one area and the rest of your life is just a dustbin. Right. That's a nightmare to me. That's not quality of life to mm -hmm. me. Yeah, I hear you. I was talking to somebody last night that um, was struggling with that. A gal who was articulating that she there was something business wise she really wanted to do, but she just she felt like she was so deeply conflicted about what it would mean for the other areas of her life. Like, is this, is this, is choosing this saying no to being a good mom? And I thought to myself, I can, I, I can, but I mostly can't relate to that. I haven't like personally had a firsthand situation where I was looking at starting a new business and I was like, well, I could either start that business or I could be a good dad, I see that there is something uniquely complicated there for for w women, mothers having to deal with that situation. It felt really heavy, the conversation I was mm -hmm. having in the moment. It is. The weight, the weight of motherhood is, is, is load-bearing, you know, like it's a big one. But I also think like you need to, 
it's important to realize how working and being successful in business, committing to your business, investing in yourself, you need to realize how that all that has a positive mm-hmm. effect. Mm-hmm. So I listened to audiobooks in the car. My kids were in the car. They're talking. And my daughter, who is five, says to my son, who is eight, shh, mommy's learning how to be a better boss. <laughs> like, she gets it. She's five. And you know what I got from that? Number one, she's my mini-me, bossy, like, hush. Uh, uh-huh. we're, we're working yeah, right I now. Got one, I got one of those, too. And then number two, I'm... I'm learning. Right. I'm working on myself. I'm trying to grow. Mm-hmm. And mommy's a boss, man. <laughs> like, I heard that in there. You know, I heard that. So, like, that, there's value in that. Yeah. But she's five. She's never going to remember that. Yeah. But when she's 25, she'll just have this drive, and she won't know where it came from. Yeah. And it came from stuff like that every little day, all these little, you know, it's never the straw, uh-huh. it's oh, the accumulation, yeah. right? Well, that's the same way with positive experiences right. too. Mm-hmm. It's never the one big grand gesture. Mm-hmm. It's all the little teeny tiny things mm-hmm. that, that like, oh, mm. you care. Mm. Mm. You know, I'm thinking about what you said there in the motherhood comment. I'm thinking about the inverse of that for men. I don't know if it's an inverse or not, but for men, I see the draw towards a pursuit of success that that does come at a very obvious loss of family. And it's interesting to me how it's normalized. It's never like verbalized as like, this is commendable, but it's definitely normalized. Like you want to be a billionaire, you're going to have to break some shit might, including maybe a starter family, you know, Mm -hmm. yeah, you might need to have a starter family if you're going to go down that path. But the subtext is kind of like, but in the end, it'll be worth it because you have an empire. And I'm thinking to myself, but is it? No, not for me. Not mm-hmm. for me. That wouldn't pencil. Having, having, knowing that that's what was happening, that wouldn't pencil. But there is, yeah, there's, there's temptation and there's draw. And for a lot of people, for, for me, business in many ways is an expression of like some level of compulsiveness for me, where there is like something kind of obsessive. And this is an appropriate way to channel it, you know, in, instead of other destructive habits. Um, so I embrace that side of it, but I also realize that like my, my calling is to be sufficiently connected with the people in the business that I'm called out of the compulsiveness, which would transactionalize everything and reduce it down to money. Ultimately, like if I can be connected enough with the people and get enough meaning in the relationships, it pulls me out of that and it balances me towards something that does allow me to have both a great business outcome, a stellar business outcome and deep, meaningful connection along the way. That's what I'm aiming for. Yeah. The balance. Life is it's a balance. I can have I can have you can both. have both. You can have it all, you folks. Have it all. You heard it here first. <laughs> you can. Now, you know. You have to be disciplined in that. So COVID, I did not, I didn't work at home. I can't work at home. Not, never mind all the millions. I mean, the three kids, two dogs. I can't work at home. I can't. It's not productive for you. No, not at all. It's important for me to change the hat though. Mm-hmm. And like, I recognize that in myself. So driving to the office, changing that hat, getting there. I'm like, okay, I'm in, I'm in work mode driving home, I'm decompressing, 
I'm relaxed. I'm like, I'm trying to get myself in mommy mode. And it's not like, it's not a flip of a switch. It is a legit process. Um, and I'm not successful at it every day, mm-hmm. but I try again. Mm-hmm. You know, today I suck, man. I, I was answering emails. I was whatever, but I think building out. So we have dinner together at 630 sharp every night. There are no phones. We do sweet and sour around the table. Everybody. We fight over who goes first and who's last, and we spin a wheel to settle things. Sweet and sour, like rose and thorn, like best and worst things today. Right on. Everybody's, everybody. Right on. And that makes us sit there for at least half an hour. My oldest is 15. She's Mm -hmm. a teenager. Mm -hmm. There are times, that's the only time she, like, legit will talk to me. Not that I mean, she loves me, but, you know, Mm -hmm. they get in moods, whatever. Um... But it's it's every day. It's caught where it doesn't matter who's at our house. Mm. It doesn't matter if we're at a restaurant. Mm. We will sit down. We will say the blessing. Everybody's looking at us. I don't care, you know. And we go around and we do our sweet okay. and sour. And that's what. And now all now all of our friends do it. Yeah. With their families, it's just like six p.m. every day. You got the Von Trapp operation going. On I run a tight ship. Okay. I do. Clearly, it's coming through. Okay. I do. You yeah. have to though. Yeah. I mean, it's life giving to have order. I know that much. It's life-giving to know what's coming and to have uh, beginnings and endings and routines and things that you can count on. Yeah, that definitely does a lot for family life. For well, sure. if it's not on schedule, it doesn't get done. Um, like my lead simple rollout was not on the schedule and it didn't get done. So I had to put it on the schedule. And then it got done. The available spot was Saturday morning. <laughs> That's what it took. Yeah. And then it got done. Yes, So when you know, like, I can't talk to you because I've got to sit down and eat dinner with my family, Mm -hmm. and this is what we do, and there are no exceptions. Mm -hmm. Like, don't come at me with, I got to take a call. Mm -hmm. No, you don't. Mm. Mm. Well, I'm going to take that as some some food for thought (laughs) for for myself. Yeah, there's there's value there. It's, It's a struggle, but it's worth fighting for, for sure. I think that... Um, the work that I'm doing as an entrepreneur impacts my family in such a big and profound way. And I don't mean financially. I mean, in terms of like the energy that I'm bringing to the day today and the highs and the lows that I'm carrying or withholding. Um, how do you, how do you deal with that part of it of not, you know, when some, when some, something happens at work that was just an objective failure mm-hmm. and you're in your feelings about it, how do you, how do you manage bringing that energy back home? They get a muted version. So they still they still see some, some of it still comes through. I can't be, like if I'm, I can hide being upset some, most of the time. I can hide like if, if like my feelings are hurt. I can hide that pretty well. I cannot hide being angry. Agitated. Oh, they know the look. You know, they're like, mom's cursed. So... They get a very muted version, but I think it's so important to share with them, you know, I had a bad day. I sucked today. I messed up and someone caught it before I did Mm. because my whole thing is like, make mistakes. You make sure you catch it. You try to catch it. If Mm. you can catch it first, then you can get ahead of it. And then you're in control of the dialogue. But with somebody else, if it gets to the point where somebody else catches it, then we're all screwed. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, but I want my kids to know, like, I mess up. Mm-hmm. This is, my son specifically, he's he's a perfectionist. And I've got to get him out of that because that's an unhappy life. No one's going to be perfect. 
I don't want you scared to try because you're scared you're going to fail. Mm -hmm. You're going to fail. Do it. Mm -hmm. And then fail again. And then do it again. And let's go. And let's mm -hmm. go. And I push him. Mm -hmm. And he lets me push him. No one else can push him like that. Um, but I think I think a lot of that is because I share I share my failures with my children. That's important. That they know I'm not perfect and I'm flawed and I'm working on myself. I think that's... Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. You know, what What you just made me think of is when I got started in business, I'm pretty sure this is true. I could be making up this in my head, but my what I remember my mentor telling me was that you need to start the first business. It's going to fail, but you need to start it so you can get on to the second one. Mm-hmm. And that was a really weird thought of like, statistically, that almost certainly has to be true. Did it? Uh, yes, it did not work out. It's still around, but it, it did not work out anywhere close to my expectations. But it it just reframed things because it's not like it wasn't hard afterwards, but somehow it just reset. It was like, yeah, this this is probably going to fail. But So I need to go. So like, let's go. Yeah. Let's be all in with it. And less attached to it, uh -huh. right? Less attached to it. Because I it was like right at the outset, it was like, oh, and if it fails, all I have to do is keep going and do the second one. Right. Because you failing doesn't make you a failure. Exactly. Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I still struggled with that when I was in it, but that that's what it was, is it it, it made me less attached to it. And attachment is where a lot of suffering comes from. Right. Where if you just weren't on about that specific thing happening things would be okay it's really the first time you fall off the bike hurts the most mm -hmm. and then like you're you know trying to do tricks and you're falling off left and right and like you don't even flinch right you ever watch skateboarders yes it's nuts absolutely nuts yes rare breed i mean that is one you want to talk about don't be scared to bleed yeah exactly <laughs> that's a literal i was talking like not literal Metaphorical. Metaphor. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I want to wrap it here. If you had one piece of advice or feedback for somebody that's new in this business that wants to be all in, play the long game, what's the one thing that you would point them to right out of the gate? Hmm. I mean, the obvious stuff is like write your processes and blah, blah, blah. But... I think the most important is when you do hire someone, don't be an echo chamber. Don't be like, I'm your boss. You can't tell me I'm always right. Mm -hmm. Be open for feedback. Ask for feedback and get it from everyone that you can and learn if, like just constantly just learn and read and listen to podcasts, but make a list, keep a list on your phone. This is what's going on. Because you'll forget it and you'll go back. I have stacks of notebooks. And when I have like a dull moment, I'm like, what's in my book? Let's look. Let's see. Mm. You know, and go back to it. Because you you can't do everything all at once. And maybe maybe there's something that you need to do at this level. You're not there yet. That's okay. Um, do what you can with what you have. And then know that it's like constant, constant improvement. And be, welcome it. Welcome the the criticism welcome the failure you know get up and try again because it won't hurt as much the next time i think that's the biggest thing and don't be scared to try it like it's not going to be perfect no it's going to suck it's going to be awful you're going to do it 20 times and it's still going to suck but it's going to suck differently 
And that's important. That's some great, honest, heartfelt advice. I appreciate, appreciate you coming on. We talked about the intention for the show, and I think this hit it. Thank you for everything that you're doing and sharing your story with other people. Thank you so much. Until next time. Jordan here asking you, what do you got? What is a question you want to ask me? Can you stump me? Can you throw me something hard, perplexing, vexing, something you feel tied up in knots with? Throw it at me. I'll do my best to try and answer that question, to dissect it, to parse out the nuance and maybe help you get a bit more clarity. I'm looking for questions as the basis for creating content and you're looking for answers as the basis for clarity and wouldn't it be perfect if those two things matched up? Drop a comment, send me, send me an email, jordan at leadsimple.com. Let's stay in the conversation. Peace.